God, that he's our living hope this morning. Dear Lord, we want to stop right now and thank you for life in itself. And then, Lord, we want to thank you for salvation, the eternal life that you've extended to everyone. And, Lord, we love singing these songs this morning of worship to you and the the message that's in each one of them. And, Lord, to know that you are living hope and death has no claim on you. And, God, we're so grateful for that today. So I pray that you would be with this service today, that you would bless it, that everything that's said, Lord, would bring you honor and glory. And Lord, I pray that you'll give me the words to say that I would not get in the way. Lord, would you speak to our hearts today for those that are here, those that are joining us on live stream or Facebook live. I pray, Lord, you'll speak to all of our hearts and we'll thank you and give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you can be seated. Well, I hope you've had a good week and uh, I know uh, all the students are probably pretty pumped and happy because they're out of school for a week. And uh, so uh, some of you probably have a few days off, at least Thursday. And so I hope it's a great Thanksgiving time, as Laura said earlier. Let me give you one announcement. We're doing some Christmas projects. And uh, so we had to get a little early start on some of them. And uh, we've already done Operation Christmas Child, and many of you participated in that. We finished that up, and now we're doing... uh, a sponsorship with the Boys and Girls Club of Big Bend. And there's, like, there's seven of them. Uh, Pastor Fires and myself, have we visited down here just at the end of Henderson on the curve there. There's a, a Boys and Girls Club down there. And we've gone down there to visit and met the people that's in charge of it. And they're doing a toy drive, all right? So we're going to sponsor and help with that, all right? So what it is, it's for ages 6 through 12, any boy or girl gift. Uh, they're saying $10 value. And we've got three places in the back here where you can just drop a, a gift in the bucket. Uh, you don't have to wrap it. In fact, they'd rather it be unwrapped. They're going to have a big day of wrapping it themselves. And so uh, we'll be doing that from now until Wednesday, December the 9th. So if you could help with that, that would be awesome. They're trying to get between everybody that's sponsoring, which we're just one of many that's trying to help. They're trying to get at least 300 gifts to hand out to children. So uh, that would be awesome if you could help with that. Well, today, um, as Laura said, I'm going to speak on Thanksgiving, being grateful. And uh, so as we go into Thanksgiving, uh, Pastor Fias has been doing a series on Psalms, and he'll start that back up again next week. And then I believe he's going to go into a Christmas series pretty soon here in the next two or three weeks. But uh, today we're going to be in the book of Luke. So if you have your Bibles or your phone, however you look it up, look to Luke chapter 17. That's where we're going to be today. On October the 3rd, 1789, which was 231 years ago, President George Washington issued this proclamation. And here's the proclamation. I put it up there so you could see it too. It says, now therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. Um, 231 years ago, and we're still celebrating that, and we're going to celebrate that even this Thursday. In fact, this year, it happens to be on November the 26th, as it was 231 years ago. As Laura said, Thanksgiving, I think she said 48% of people will be traveling. I guess it's usually more, but I know this. Thanksgiving is the most traveled holiday in, in America. Uh, how many of you will be traveling at least out of Tallahassee? Let me see your hand. All right. 
A lot of you will be. Uh, how many of you are staying and somebody's coming to your place? Let me see that. All right. Some of you are staying and others are coming to you. But um, there'll be a lot of family and friends getting together this Thursday. And uh, there'll be a lot of time spent in the kitchen to prepare that meal. And, uh, and if it's a good meal, it'll have pecan pie with it. And, um, but there'll be a lot, of, a lot of cooking going on. Now today, I want to look at an occasion in the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 17. And you're probably going to say, oh, I'm very familiar with this story. I doubt if it's new to anyone. It's going to be when Jesus and his disciples encounter 10 men who are lepers. And we're going to look at that today in Luke chapter 17. We're going to, in a moment here, read uh, verses 11 through 19. In that chapter, Jesus is with his disciples and, and you know, being with them and he was constantly mentoring them, always mentoring them, always teaching them lessons. If they were paying attention, sometimes it seems like, boy, they're just not getting it, you know. But in this chapter of Luke chapter 17, he starts out by, by teaching them about temptation of sin. He talks about unwavering faith or great faith. And then he talks about unworthy servants. And then he goes in to teaching them about 10 men as they arrive into this village. So let's look at Luke chapter 17. We're going to start reading verse 11. We're going to read through 19. It'll give us the, the story that we're going to look at today. Luke 17, 11 through 19. This is what it says. On the way to Jerusalem, he or Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee and he entered a village. He was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is a pretty familiar story. I remember even hearing this story when I was a child in Sunday school, and you might have done the same thing. But today we're just going to kind of break it down and look at some things about being thankful. Some things that we see. What do we see in this story? Well, first of all, we see lepers, all right? And if you know anything about leprosy, leprosy was the dreaded disease back in the Bible times. There was pretty much no cure for it. I put a couple of pictures up there. So if you're um, visual and that kills you, don't look that way. All right. Somebody might go, oh gosh, I can't look at that, you know, but uh, uh, I just wanted you to see, you probably know about leprosy today. There are cures for leprosy, but back then uh, leprosy would separate you from society. That's probably why there was 10 of them together because these 10 people probably were living together and doing everything together. Uh, they had to warn everyone coming close to them. And it says this, that when they saw Jesus afar off, they lifted up their voices. They had to keep their, their mouth and their nose, their face covered, which sounds very familiar to us in nowadays, but we can relate to at least that part of it, right? But uh, they had to go show themselves to a priest in order to be pronounced clean. Now, leprosy in the scripture many times is given kind of as a good resemblance of sin in our life. The, the leprosy damaged the body and sin damages us. Of course, the reason you and I are slowly dying right now is because of sin. 
but it also separates us from God. It separates us from God, just like the leprosy separated them from other, pe- uh, other people. So we see the lepers. Next thing we see is this, we see mercy. Now it's kind of interesting because normally when a leper, if I was a leper and I would see me coming to you or you coming to me, the thing that I would yell out would be unclean. I would start yelling unclean, letting you know, stay, stay back from me. I'm a leper. You don't want to get this. So don't get close to me. So I would be yelling unclean. But it's interesting that these 10 people did not yell unclean. They did not yell unclean. They recognized Jesus, how they knew him. I do not know whether they had heard of him, whether they'd seen him in the past, we're not told. Somehow they recognized him. And instead of yelling unclean, they started saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Now, their request to Jesus couldn't have been more perfect because when it comes to mercy, you might say that Jesus is the face of mercy. Jesus is the face of God's mercy. If you know in the Old Testament, you remember when they would do Old Testament sacrifices, there was what was called the mercy seat. And the high priest would go into the temple. He would go into this innermost part of the, of the temple, which was called the Holy of Holies. And the mercy seat was actually laid or placed across the Ark of the Covenant, which is very well known. And on this mercy seat, as you can see in the picture, there were two cherubims. They were beaten out of gold and they would face each other. And the priest would do this. The priest would go in and he would take the blood of an animal and he would take the tip of his finger and he would sprinkle it on this mercy seat. He would sprinkle it on this mercy seat. Now, I'm going to read a couple of quotes here that I found this week uh, because it explains it really good. So this first one here, I put it up here so that you can read along with me in this explanation of the mercy seat in Jesus Christ. It says this, God desires to meet his people and the blood of the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, is the only means by which that meeting is possible. The mercy seat of the Old Testament and the blood sprinkled upon it by the high priest prefigured Christ to come. The mercy seat was as real as the cross to come. Christ is now our mercy seat. Here's another great quote that I read this week about mercy and judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment, but refusing mercy is disastrous, inviting judgment. Let me read that again. That is something that most people don't understand. Mercy triumphs over judgment, but refusing mercy is disastrous, inviting judgment. Why does God's judgment come? It's because people reject God's mercy. Then he says this, God's judgment for sin is never unjust. There's no one that will ever be able to stand before God and say, you were not fair with me. You were not just with me. All right. They'll never be able to do that because God's judgment for sin is never unjust. His judgment is always the result of mercy that was offered and refused. Mercy that was offered and spurned. The Lord is patient and never wants us to perish. He wants us to repent. But those who refuse mercy will receive judgment. Here's a great verse on that, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, slowness but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You ever wonder why God is so patient with us 
or God is so patient with other people, it's because God is a patient God and God wants everyone not to be punished. God wants everyone to repent. God doesn't want anyone to perish and spend eternity in hell. He made a way for all to come to him. So God is very, very patient. James 2.13 says, For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So we see mercy. And here's another thing we see. We see healing or we see cleansing, you might say. This past week, um, my wife and I got to spend time. One of our, our oldest daughter lives in Tallahassee, her and her husband. And they just three months ago had our first grandson. We've got two older granddaughters that are two and a half, three and a half. And then we got a grandson. His name is Gabriel. And this past weekend, we got to spend some time with him. And it's the most time I've ever held him. All right. Uh, I've held him a few times, but with the virus and everything, we've been very careful not to go over there and they're not getting out. But we spent the, some time with him, especially on Saturday. And I got to hold him a lot. And man, it was just awesome. You know, it was just awesome. It's like someone said, if I would have known grandchildren were so great, I would have had them first, you know. But uh, I, I got to hold him everything. And as you're looking at him, it's like, you know what it is? He's just so precious, you know. And I look at him and I would hold him up and he'd start smiling and that'd make me all happy. But you look at him and he just seems, though he's not, he seems perfect. His little skin is just soft and precious and he just seems perfect, you know. And he's just a great picture there of, of a child that's just been born and how, how innocent he seems to be and yet how perfect he seems to be. And, and when I th was thinking of that, I thought, man, it's just so fun holding him. And I look at his body and then I look at the age on my body and I think, wow, this is what happens to you as you get older. You know, you fall apart and your skin changes and everything changes. But that newborn, and I got to thinking about that and I thought, you know, you remember the story in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus, who was a ruler, and he comes to Jesus at night and Jesus throws out this phrase to him that I think it's the only time it's actually mentioned in the scripture. But he tells Nicodemus this, he says, you must have a new birth. You must be born again. Now, Nicodemus was no dummy. He was a ruler. He was a very intelligent, smart man. And Nicodemus was throw, so thrown off by that, he said, what are you talking about? He, he said, I'm a grown man. I, I can't enter into my mother's womb again and be rebirthed, born again. I, he was so confused. And Jesus explains to him that he wasn't talking about a physical birth. He was talking about a spiritual birth. You see, a great thing about salvation when we repent of our sin and trust Jesus Christ our Savior is salvation is like a start over. It's a, it's a new start over. Now, my body didn't change, but my spiritual life is now reconnected back to God. I've come back to God, and it's like starting life over in so many ways because you're beginning a spiritual, a spiritual life. Um, the Spirit of God comes to live within you. In Luke chapter 17, verse 14, he tells the, the lepers, he says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus did not walk up to the lepers and lay his hands on them as he did many times with others. He didn't even say, be thou clean. He didn't even say that. He didn't even say, be healed, be cleansed. He didn't say any of those things. He just said this, go show yourself to the priest. Just go show yourself to the priest. Those 10 men knew exactly what that meant because they knew 
that they were longing for the day when they could go to the priest and show themselves to the priest that they might be pronounced cleansed, that they could go and live among people again. So in the New Testament, Jesus is given many names. He's given Messiah or Savior or Son of Man or Friend of Sinners. But one of the greatest names he's given in the book of Hebrews is this. He's called the great what? The great high priest. It's interesting, isn't it? He said, he didn't say, you're clean, you're clean. Let me, lay, let me put my hand on your head. None of that. He just said, go show yourself to the high priest. And when they turned and it says, as they went, as they went, they were cleansed. They did have to obey. They did have to turn and go. But as they went, they were cleansed. Hebrews 2.17 says this, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And then in chapter 4, verse 14, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Jesus not only says, go show yourself to the high priest, pronouncing them clean, but he is the one who, in our case, makes us clean from our sin and forgives us. And one day we will, like these lepers, being able to go back and live in the city, one day you and I, as believers, will live in an eternal city called heaven. And then we want to see thanksgiving, thankfulness. Thankfulness. Verse 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 15 and 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God with a loud voice and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. It's interesting that he points out he was a Samaritan. He calls him to the disciples a foreigner. He was a foreigner. This Samaritan comes back when he looks at his body and realized I'm healed. And he comes back and what does he do? He falls down at the feet of Jesus, an, an act of worship, a, a position of worship there. And he, and he tells him thank you, giving him thanks, being thankful for God. Now, being thankful in many ways is like an act of worship. In many ways, when I'm grateful, it's me saying, God, Thank you, and it's me worshiping God and telling him thankful. No matter what it is, it's like an act of worship. James 1.17 says this. You probably know this verse. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now, it's interesting when Jesus says these next three verses, for years, I thought, oh, he's speaking to the leper, but I don't think he's speaking to the lepers. I looked at it this week. I thought, you know what? I think he's turned to the disciples, and as he always did, he's teaching them something. He turns to the disciples, and I think he speaks this to the disciples, not the leper. Look at verse 17. Then Jesus answered, looking at the disciples, I believe, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I think he looked over the disciples and said, wasn't there 10? But there's only one and it's this foreigner right here. It's this foreigner right here. I think once again, he's teaching them a lesson of being thankful. You know, Jesus experienced these same disciples forsaking and leaving him 
when he was going to the cross where it says they forsook him and fled. And over and over and over, he's trying to teach them a lesson. Now, this has been a most unusual year this year. Um, but it's not the first time it's been an unusual year. It's just the first time it's been an unusual year like this in my life and probably your life where things are, are so, so different. And I don't know what's taken place in your life. You might've had it a lot tougher than me, but it's been a hard year for many, but you might say, man, it's been so hard this year. It's just kind of hard to be thankful for all of this. It's hard to be thankful for wearing a mask all the time or doing this or doing that. And I can't go here. And I haven't seen this part of my family since February or a year now. And, and all of these things, even during this Thanksgiving time, you're thinking, I can't get with those I'd love to get with. And so you might think, boy, this has just been a tough time. But I want us to take and look in Luke chapter 22. And we're going to look at our great example of thankfulness, Jesus Christ. Jesus is just a few hours from being beaten and going to the cross. And here he's having this last supper with his disciples. And I want you to notice what Jesus does at this last meal. Luke twenty-two fourteen through 17. And when the hour came, he or Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, notice what he says here. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And here's what he does. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among you. He being God knew, and he's telling them, I'm about to go suffer. He knew he was going to be beaten and mocked and spit upon and beard pulled and everything that took place and then nailed on a cross. And yet what does he do? He goes to the heavenly father in prayer and he gives thanks. He gives thanks. The apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Thessalonica, which is 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. And in the book of 1 Thessalonians, at the end of the letter, he starts listing out things to these people, these church members in Thessalonica. And he says, do this, be this, and do this. And listen, I'm, listen to what he says. He says, pray without ceasing. That's like living a life of prayer. You can be driving your car and praying. He says, pray without ceasing. He says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Now, it's easy to rejoice when things are going great, but to rejoice always is not all that easy. And then he says, do not quench the spirit, the spirit that lives within you. And then he says this in verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. Listen to this. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He tells you and I to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I don't know what you've dealt with this year or this past year, and we surely don't know what's going to happen this coming year in 2020, 21. We do not know because we cannot see the future. But I know this. He tells me to give thanks in all circumstances. So that's when the bottom falls out in my life when everything seems to be going wrong, or how did I get this report from my doctor? He says to give thanks in all of it. Turn to God and give thanks for all of it. You know, we serve a God that can take the worst of life and make something good out of it. That's how great our God is. Something that seems devastating to us, but God can do something good with it in our life. 
I don't really grow in all the good times. I grow in the hard times. You know what I'm saying? Um, we know it's not easy to give thanks in every circumstance. And really, what sets that apart is knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. For the person who does not know Jesus Christ and have a relationship with God, it's very hard at times to give thanks in every circumstance. One of my favorite actors is a guy by the name of Jimmy Stewart. Do anybody know who I'm talking about? Okay, you're telling your age, you're telling your age, okay. If you're young, let me explain to you this. During Christmas season, you're probably going to watch It's a Wonderful Life, and that main character is played by Jimmy Stewart, all right? He passed away 20-something years ago, but I like to watch his movies. There's a movie called Shenandoah. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's an old movie. The setting is in the Civil War time, back in the mid-1800s, and Jimmy Stewart plays the part of a guy named Charlie Anderson. Charlie Anderson, this guy owns a 500-acre ranch in the heart of the Shenandoah Valley. And he's there with his six sons and his one daughter and the eight of them work it all out. His wife dies and his wife was a Christian and she has one wish. Anderson, Charlie Anderson, not a Christian, his wife was. This is her final wish on her deathbed. She looks at her husband and said, I want you to raise our children to be good Christians. Well, he's not a Christian himself. So that's going to be a pretty big task for this man. But in the movie, they're having their Thanksgiving meal. And I'm going to read you his prayer because his prayer is kind of typical of someone who really doesn't know God and how their heart's not grateful. This is what he said. It might be too, that's too small for you to read. Okay. Unless you've got unbelievable vision. All right. If you can read that, let me know. Okay. All right. So listen to me as I read it. This is what he said. He prays to God. They bow their head at the kitchen table there and he's got his family with him. His wife's already gone to heaven. But this is what he said. He says, Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, and harvested it. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel. But we thank you, Lord, just the same for the food we're about to eat. Now, I'm not going to read that again, but if you were listening, you heard the, uh, someone's prayer that was saying, Lord, we really do it all ourselves, but because my wife wanted me to do this, I'm going to tell you I thank you for it at the end anyway. That is the heart of someone who truly does not know God, who truly does not appreciate that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Um, I'm afraid there's probably a lot of people in our country and around the world that live it that same way. They might not say it out loud like Charlie Anderson did, but in their heart, thankfulness to God is not part of it. They were a self-made man or a self-made woman and, you know, the credit don't go to anybody else and even God because they've done it all themselves. God is just the man upstairs or some other disrespectful name that they would call him. Not respected him as a holy God. You see, Ever since the fall of man, Satan has been trying to take the honor, praise, glory, and worship that goes to God and direct it to someone else or some other place. Did you get that? Ever since the fall of man, Satan has said, don't give the glory to God. No, no, no. Let's give it to, to Satan or let's give it to someone else or let's, let's give it to something else and try to redirect all the praise and glory that should go to God and direct it someone else. You see, 
We saw that uh, Charlie Anderson's prayer was not really a true prayer to God. It was a true prayer of lifting up himself. But for the Christian, the great calming factor in life is that I can pray. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We don't have to be anxious. It's been a weird year, hasn't it? And it's still going on. And we, you know, you talk to people and we say, when is this going to end? I sure wish this would end. And we have no idea. We might be sitting in the same situation a year from now. We just don't know. But you know what? We don't have to be anxious about that. We don't. Because God wasn't taken by surprise. And God knows. And God is in control. President Washington had it right when he wrote, that great and glorious being, God, who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, and that will be. And that's what we're celebrating on Thursday. Hey, where did everybody go? Well, 10 were healed, but only one came back to give thanks. Let's be like that one that came back to give thanks when it said, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. As we go through this week, and especially on Thursday, but not just on Thursday, but as we go through life and every day of our life, let's be those that give God the glory and the praise and thankfulness every day, not just one day a year. I know all of this I've said is just a reminder to us, but it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder for me to realize I need to be thankful for everything. Even when I don't understand, even when it seems bad, because God has a purpose. Do we believe God has a purpose? God has a purpose for it all. God has a purpose for it all. And listen to me. If you have the salvation of Jesus Christ, you have it all. You have it all. There couldn't be anything else greater for you. Because one day, we're leaving this world. <laughs> we're leaving this world. We're just passing through, right? And we've got so much to be thankful for for eternity. For eternity. Let me say this. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, whether you're here in person or you're online watching today, the greatest thing that's ever happened was Jesus Christ, God's Son, came to this earth, was born of a virgin, a miraculous birth, and lived a perfect, sinless life because He's God. And we sang about it this morning. He died on a cross. And we have victory because He died on a cross. And we sang about it. He rose again. And we have the victory. He was victorious over death and so are we because of Him. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, your Savior, it is the greatest thing that you could ever do in your life is to accept His mercy and His grace this morning because mercy triumphs over judgment. I deserve judgment. And you deserve judgment. But praise God because of his son saving me and forgiving me of my sin, I will not have judgment in the end. I will have mercy. And if you don't know Jesus, you can have that same mercy. Let's bow for a word of prayer as the worship team's going to come right now and we're going to sing in just a moment. I'll be down at the front and our pastoral staff will be if you need to talk to us this morning. But I'm just going to take a moment while they're just playing music and give you an opportunity, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, to do so today whether you're at home watching or you're with us here, you can bow your head 
and pray, as we've talked about prayer this morning, but you can pray a prayer of thanking God for salvation and you can ask Jesus Christ into your heart. It's just a simple prayer. I'm going to give you just an example. You could pray something like this. Dear Lord, I believe you died on the cross for me. And right now, I accept your salvation and I repent of my sin and I turn my heart to you. And I accept your son, Jesus, as my Savior into my heart. You could pray a prayer similar to that. It could be your words. God knows your heart. He knows what you're praying. And you could trust Jesus Christ today as your Savior. Dear Lord, we have so much to be grateful for, more than we could ever even imagine. Lord, we've got life in itself, and I know some of our members are having major physical problems and battling physical problems. Lord, I know that. And Lord, I know you can be close to them and you are. And then Lord, we're all going through difficult times, it seems, that just having to put up with some things that we're not used to. And it's really not as bad as we probably make it out to be. But Lord, we want to just stop right now and thank you. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for us to give us salvation. Thank you for the gospel that we can live in every day, Lord. And you work in our lives and draw us closer to you. So Lord, we're so thankful for salvation in itself that you would love us that much for your mercy and your grace. God, I pray that you would help this congregation, help all of us, Lord, to bring honor and glory to you, Lord. Help us to be thankful every day of our lives. And Lord, help us as parents to pass that on to our children and as grandparents to pass it on to our children and grandchildren. And Lord, help us to pass it and be an influence to people even around us, Lord, that we would be grateful no matter how hard it is in every circumstance because it's the will of God in Christ Jesus for our lives. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Lord. I pray you would bless now as we sing, as we close this service, that we would sing from our heart. And thank you for being such a great God that we love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.